Welcome to Wolf Family Therapy. The doctors today are Jamie and Tyler, and the appointment will start briefly. Thank you for patiently waiting. The brothers will see you now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Wolf Family Therapy. Um, Our patient today is is Lucas Zelnick. Lucas Zelnick. Thanks for coming, Lucas. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the pod um, and doing therapy with us today. So you're rich. Uh, what was that like? Sure am. (laughs) Uh, what was that like? When did you get rich? Man, when did I know I was rich? No. When did you get rich? I was born really just for the listeners. (laughs) They don't know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, my parents always had a lot of money. My, my dad was the president and chief operating officer of, uh, 20th century Fox before I was born. Wow. So that's Before how we, you were born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he was 32, that's what he did. So 32. And when did he have you? Uh, I, he must've been 36, which is not young, but by that time I, th- you know, we were, we were rich, but we weren't like, we didn't have necessarily fuck you money. Cause yeah. he didn't, he didn't have any money. He didn't come from money. Okay. So he was accumulating. But by the time I was born, I was born at my country house. <laughs> really? At the house? No, not like at the house, but like the first house I moved into was my second house. <laughs> <laughs> what is the story of your birth? Um, Mount Sinai Hospital, New York City. Uh, and yeah, I was born there, moved to Westchester to my country house. And then my did they present you a, with any like a city? House. Oh, you weren't literally born in the country house. No, I wasn't born in the country house, but I was the like basically by the time I was, I think six months old, we had a townhouse in the city, which was being paid for by my dad's new job, which was the CEO of Bertelsmann music group, which was at the time a big record label before, you know, they got their lunch eaten by Spotify and all that. And then we had a house in Westchester. So when you were born, were you presented with any, any like, you know, sort of birthrights like golden plates or <laughs> similar to what they do in like indigenous tribes. Yeah. You get presented with the birthright, which is your inheritance. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really just an excuse to treat people poorly throughout your life. <laughs> Dude, it's so crazy to grow up like rich because we, we didn't grow up with money, but we grew up so close to money. It didn't matter really for the first 18 years. And then it was gone because we grew up in a crazy situation. This is crazy because as rich as you are, they make your family look our, our (laughs) stepmom was multiples richer than your family. Yeah. Yeah. Could ever probably be. And that's crazy because our dad is a house painter. Our mom (laughs) is a school teacher and he, it was a classic billionaire house painter love story. (laughs) (laughs) A real Mr. D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a Mr. Deeds of a childhood. So we didn't like they, they didn't, our dad didn't allow us to get money from her. Yeah. So we didn't have money, but we we're living in a home with the most. so much money. That must be yeah. complicated. And not to flip the therapy, but was that it, complicated? I feel like that's when I've, I, cause I've grown up. No, it's very straightforward. <laughs> no, nothing weird about it. <laughs> we uh, understood our roles. Yeah. We had to stay on the third floor. Don't show your faces. <laughs> yeah. And um, the fir- the third of a hundred floors. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, it was a big floor, but it was frustrating knowing how many others there were <laughs> yeah, that we weren't allowed on. <laughs> we were relegated to a desert in the middle of a jungle. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I grew up around so many rich kids, but interestingly there were different trajectories and I watched some families have money and then not really well, like, yeah but by not you just mean they went to upper middle class no one became destined. uh there so my basically my best friend childhood best friends family what's th- his name his name and okay what <laughs> I'm not gonna say <laughs> you can probably believe his name anyway but he 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 grew up in the exact same, you know, Park Avenue apartment situation that, that all rich kids on the Upper East Side did. Right. And, but unbeknownst to him at the time and me at the time, but I spent all this time at their house, their family was living like right at their means, like paycheck to paycheck, but rich. Oh, which so essentially some, poor. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, well, they weren't they, were, they weren't living a poor lifestyle, but they they were, were living a rich lifestyle, the same but, as the way like a single mom with a couple kids lives. Yes, which but is to the say, richest, rich version. Which is to say, if you don't get the five hundred dollars for her, it was five hundred. She she's done. Yes, like every two weeks, she has no money in her bank account until two weeks later. They were basically like they were. Yes, she like runs if, out of money every two weeks. They, they if anything happened, mm-hmm. they did not have like a rainy day fund, and they were living like a rich ass lifestyle. Kids in private school, they had all these fixed costs, and the dad had a good job. The dad lost his job. No, and then the parents got divorced. Okay, and for a while, the mom was like not able to take a taxi. Like that is so tragic <laughs> oh my god that's also, so embarrassing the volume at which you swallowed when you said that <laughs> she wasn't able to <laughs> take a taxi like you're fighting back tears she had to take uber <laughs> she's still ubering <laughs> she had to sell one of her Cartier ring. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, had to give uh, up <laughs> her Equinox membership <laughs> and start working out <laughs> at Planet Fitness. Uh, they had to go to. She found it so hard Tulum. not to judge the other people there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like she, they didn't have enough money to take private transportation, which was crazy because their kids were in private school. They had to like sell their house. They had to do the whole thing where they like liquidated everything Jeez. that they had Oops, and yeah. then start building back from zero. But there was a time when I was spending time with my friend and like he didn't you know, cause he, we were kids. So like it was based on the allowance that we were given and he like didn't have any money to spend anymore of, of any kind really. So that was, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot, that's disgusting. I will say it's more complicated to be rich and have that happen than to just have been poor the whole time. Cause then it's just table stakes. But if you're rich, people don't understand the struggles of the rich. And <laughs> I have to actually. That's actually why we wanted you here. I'm glad to, to be this. here to, to help you work through this. But tell us how hard it is to be rich. Well, for me, it was great because we just got started rich and got way, <laughs> way, way richer over time. Uh, that never that had any need point to cut back. You need to spend more. It's a true <laughs> riches to riches story. We're <laughs> gaining money too quickly. I remember one day my dad came out and he's like, I have a really I had a really good year this year. And he goes anything you want. <laughs> I swear to God. How old were you? I was like 11. So I was like a hockey what did stick. You? It was like $200. <laughs> that was big as your imagination. Yeah. I was like, could I get a hockey stick? I thought you were going to say like a hockey rink. Yeah, no, no. He was, he was like um, anything, uh, uh, the hockey stick. You made $80 million this year. Could I have a warrior hockey stick? <laughs> uh, your dad disappointed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you want a puck? Oh, I didn't think I could get a puck. <laughs> puck. A puck? <laughs> no, I got a hockey stick, but yeah, I remember he came home and only good news on the financial front each year, every year. <laughs> the, I Better mean, than the, the last. The uh, recession, we, yeah. we cut back. No more fancy vacations for a year. Lost some mm. money. But uh, in the what's stock a, what's a non fancy vacation? Um, well, we just stopped doing our annual vacation, which was at the sickest place ever. And we couldn't go. And I loved it. That's why I was bummed about that. Yeah. And then you went in 2009. <laughs> uh, shoot. What year did we take off? We might've taken two years off. And oh, and wow. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Dude, this is so... Because th- here's the thing, though, is you're at least willing to talk about it, which most really rich people just pretend they're not rich. I mean, the people that we lived with... They, they pretended that they weren't. Yeah. 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 I remember she, in college, she was like complaining to me about money and I was, I was just couldn't hear it. I'm I like, have, a, you're, I have a, a, you're literally a billionaire. I have a friend who's a billionaire who we got into this fight in college because he looked to his credit. His parents wouldn't give him their money. So from his perspective, yeah. he didn't have money, but I was like, use a credit card. Yeah. I, I was also just like, you can't complain. Yeah. Cause yeah. because there's a difference between being short on cash and nothing being there behind it and being short on cash, but knowing your family's a billionaire because <laughs> you're never not, you're never going to go. I would hungry. argue they're exactly the same. <laughs> I remember actually. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I got frustrated by anyone that complained and he was always like, well, your parents give you money. And I'm like, yeah, sure they do yeah. a lot, 
But <laughs> my parents decided they were like, once we decide that they're mature enough to understand the circumstances and not be total pieces of shit with it, yeah. we're going to pull back the curtain, tell them the truth about how much money there is and give them access to money so they don't have like a complicated relationship with it. And for me, that was they great. They did a my great I job. Think that's a my smart brother became a heroin it. addict. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> my brother my brother took $80,000 from them and spent it all on heroin within three months and ended up in rehab. But yes, I do think the approach was smart for me for you because it worked out it worked great for me because i didn't want to spend that much money i just wanted to be comfortable yeah and i would made myself comfortable you just enjoy having fun not doing heroin yes but here's what i'll say is if you have a lot of money and you like heroin yeah you shouldn't have a lot of money yeah (laughs) it's a bit of an issue it became an issue very quickly just i think the reason mostly is that when you want heroin you you, it's hard to tell yourself no (laughs) to heroin Yep. Yeah. It's really hard to yeah. say now. And when you have $80,000, you kind of just go, that's good because it's more heroin, heroin yeah. with it. It's you don't have $80,000. You have like 80,000 milligrams of heroin. Of heroin. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> You're going, this is technically paper money right now, but really what it is in is my head. heroin in my veins. This is future heroin. <laughs> future heroin. Yeah. yeah. Which is what we call money. Thank in you my for family. the heroin, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we call. Uh, How much future heroin do we have? I think we have like a hundred million future heroin. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So I don't think that's a good approach for everybody, but it, I think depending on the kind of kids you have, it, it worked no, for but me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your brother survived, which is important to note. Like he's, yes, he's sober he's now. Still, he's on the other side. He's of it. sober and still, I mean, he is dead, but he's sober. <laughs> He is. You can't do heroin when you're a corpse. So (laughs) in that way, he's sober. So congrats to to him. (laughs) No, but but both of you are super. You know, you got your head on your shoulders, both of you these days. And your sister (laughs) also has a great relationship with money. Doesn't quite have her head on her shoulders. She's has special needs, but but she is not. Here's the thing that's interesting: is uh, during Hanukkah, my my family. Yeah, we're usually at our beach house in the Caribbean yeah. and we abuse my dad's credit card. Now, now nice. these days, now that my brother's sober and like I'm on my path, which is not super successful, but they feel good about it for some reason. They will just totally let us just hit the credit card for like things like clothing. So we spent uh, sickening amounts of money. And then my sister got, you know, my brother and I, between the two of us in five minutes spent dollars. <laughs> you should probably believe that amount of money. I got to. It's funnier jacket. to believe it. And yeah. my brother, yeah, it is yeah. funnier. Like, <laughs> it's inappropriate. It's almost a slur. The amount of money. Yeah, yes. this is, you can't, yeah. you really <laughs> yeah. should. I don't want to get canceled. So. My brother spent dollars <laughs> on cashmere sweaters. And then my sister was, we were like, what do you want? And she got, um, oh, an no. otter, hockey an otter phone case, <laughs> $50 phone case. So she has a great relationship with money. She yeah. does. She's yeah. worth, you should please bleep this. She's worth, well, why say it if you're because it's funny to bleep it. It's funny <laughs> to say it and bleep it. That's so why your sister it. who has special needs is worth dollars. That's correct. Wow. She's single. She is single. She's single. <laughs> <laughs> she and is looking single. or what's her relationship? <laughs> Interestingly, you spent that much. So you spent that much money and but you don't do that anymore, right? Do what? Just like spend like that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, do you mean like I don't or like once a year when I'm with my family, you do I that? will I'll spend crazy amounts of money on their credit card on clothes once a year. Okay. Is that like always the Hanukkah? But that's thing? a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like I'll take well, lavish gifts still. But in terms of my own spending, I, you I have a financial. Like, no, no, no. Please don't get me <laughs> yeah, anything yeah. this year. Oh, God. I'd hate to be wrapped up in Sherling. Oh, it's hard for me to deny a gift to be like, yeah. Oh no, I'd hate to be wrapped up in Sherling. Why did it feel contrived when I said it the second? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I, I accept gifts from them, but in terms of my own spending, I, here's what I, here's how my life changes. Knowing that my family has money is I don't really save. Um, because I know that why would you save? That would be so stupid. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I think there is something to be said for there I, of the all, like the ultra rich people I've met. There's really two approaches. There's yeah. my approach, which is like, be pretty straightforward about it and talk about it and live like you have it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the kind of deny it, like pretend like 
no, I'm just like you. In fact, I'm poorer than you. Yeah. And that's always really annoyed me, but I know a lot of rich people who behave that way. Well, a lot of comics, I didn't realize that we spoke to several recently and we can't say their names, but a couple were very rich. I, I, my jaw dropped when I heard these two comedians say what their parents were willing to pay for their rent. Yes. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mom and dad have never paid our rent or anything like that. No. And we we're not wanting for money. I mean, she's a school teacher. He's a, he's a house painter, but we never, ever, ever, ever were like starving. No, 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 no. And there was no, like you can't do like college because of, you know, it it was always like very straightforward. What was going to happen? Yeah. In terms of money, like we were never going to be like run out. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like it, complicated. Well, yeah. we, I think we yeah. mom did a couple times but run out. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> we were never going to run out. And then the older brother yeah. perspective. No, we, we ran out. We did. <laughs> no, we, we so we did. We were never going to run out from the perspective. Do you remember of, when we ate sand? <laughs> that was because we didn't have money. Yeah, to buy that food. wasn't that wasn't a, a new thing they were trying. You remember when we ate dog food for a week? <laughs> we couldn't afford human food. It technically is paleo, but that's not why we were. <laughs> Jamie, do you remember when the cats disappeared? and we had to get new ones. <laughs> that, that was our, that was our meal. We sold our, that cats. was our meal. <laughs> we <laughs> ate the cats. You ate the cats. Eating in the my, cats in my, hilarious. In my world, I was like, well, you should have sold them yeah. for, for good food. <laughs> Do you remember when you said this looks like the cat's face? You were it, eating the cat's it, it face. Was. <laughs> it very much was. Why is this the size of our cat <laughs> who just disappeared this morning? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, d- we didn't have like, we weren't at risk of running out of money. We, we certainly didn't take that, kind of, but we, you know, for instance, the kind of level we were is we went on vacation every year, once a year to Cape Cod. And we, it was like a vacation, which most people don't go on. Yeah. It was to Cape Cod, which is not an inexpensive place to go. I mean, we had the worst place on Cape Cod, but that you're still on yeah, Cape yeah. Cod. Yeah. You're on and have access. So it's to not, yeah, you're not poor. It's interesting because. I don't have the perspective. Most people I'm like, it's just a matter of who has it and who doesn't. And you can argue all day about how that occurs unfairly, which it obviously does. But once you have money, everyone pretty much uses it the same way, which is to benefit the people that they love love, their family. And then they're good friends. Yeah. I, I think it's so straightforward and no one in the world could honestly go. I wouldn't do that with money. I'd yeah. give it to people I don't know instead of people I do know and like. Well, well I had people like, will say that, but they won't actually do that. Yeah, they, that's my point. Yeah. They would never do that. I had like an English professor who is also like kind of an advisor to me, uh, kind of helped me with it. Cause I, you know, in college you're like, there's so much liberal pressure to have yeah. that dynamic of like, yeah, well helps being offered to me, but I'm not going to take it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And the English professor was like, listen, y- you're getting the help whether you want it or not. You're here. It's being paid for like, so just accept it yeah, and stop like virtue signaling that you're not getting it. Cause the truth is you're getting it. And so many people pretend like they're not getting it. And that's just like a disservice. Yeah. Or they do the yes. thing that you were talking about earlier where they like complain about how like, Oh my God, we like, I don't have any money this week. I'm yeah, like, let's yeah, not yeah, go out to eat tonight. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but let's. Or we could. Because yeah. <laughs> it's better. Yeah. And we don't cook. Oh, I was with these billionaires on a vacation recently. Like, a, I have a friend who's like, they're they're like, you know, billionaires and, want, you know, very probably top 100 in the world. And uh, they were talking about Airbnb being their house when they weren't there for like $5,000. Why? A night. That's what I thought. I was like, why are we wasting yeah. breath for, for yeah, why? For, like right. bringing strangers into your home and making it dirty to earn $5,000 a night. You like, have billions. You have billions. But why were they? Did they have a reason? Uh, um, look, the, the nice justification is like this guy has like a scrappy entrepreneurial mindset, which is why he's a billionaire, but he can't turn it off. And then I think like the annoying justification, which is how I read it was like, you guys are virtue signaling to pretend like that amount of money matters oh, to you in front of guests. And oh, that I feels see. gross. Oh, I see. Cause I'm like that amount of money doesn't matter. I don't think you they live were here. How could it matter? If yeah. it mattered, you'd be making huge mistakes. Listen, I have $4 billion, but what if I had 4 billion and 5,000? <laughs> <laughs> well, the scale of numbers that big, it becomes hard to comprehend. So from that perspective, I get why 
even they would be like five thousand. That's a lot of money <laughs> because four billion is so it's much bigger. You can't even understand yeah. it. They they lived a weird lifestyle because they lived quite conservatively in certain regards, mm-hmm. and then they had certain items that were world wonders. For example, they, <laughs> they had they have one of the eleven scream paintings, which is like wow, one of the Jesus most famous Christ. pieces wow. of art in the world, and they were offered two hundred fifty million dollars for it, and they turned it down. Wow! Now they when they like were six Ferraris, but but we do need to rent out the Airbnb. <laughs> Yeah. where it sits. Yeah. And the Airbnb was what? One of the pyramids. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, one of the pyramids of Giza was actually, actually, interestingly, it was the Sphinx. So a lot <laughs> Think of people about don't how know compelling this. That would yeah. be though. If you could Airbnb the Sphinx, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good offer. People would probably pay up for that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just feel differently. Money is a thing that people get really upset about and cagey about because it's a lot like sort of like good looks. You're just born with a situation that you have pretty much no control over. Yeah. At the beginning. Right. So for, people get upset about that. While. I also think people aren't financially literate and they don't understand that a lot of the ways they're living, even if they're poor, are not like good for their financial stability yeah. in the long term. Yeah. I mean, even like a lot of people live what you're saying paycheck to paycheck when they absolutely don't have to like yes. at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I also think like p- people conflate me being open about it with me, like saying that it's good. I still think it's like very immoral to be rich and it, it's really bad, but yeah, I am. But you are, and right. I'm not turning away from it. Yeah. Cause why? No not, one would turn that was away Jamie's from point earlier. Yeah. 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 No one. Well, all of but, these, but billion, I'm not saying yeah. it's good. I'm just saying it is. Yeah. What well, it is. Well, it's good to experience, but it's not morally good. It's oh, it's pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> it's pleasant and evil. <laughs> and I acknowledge those things, but like well, that, to lie yeah. about it is makes it pleasant, evil, and dishonest. Yeah, it's pleasant. It, it feels good. Yeah, it feels And there's pleasant. no one in the world that turns it down. I, I have yet to see someone who turns that down. Like the deal of being rich. No one. Yeah. Well, I've heard they all say everyone virtue signals until they get the money and then they go, I'll just use it because that's better. Yeah, that's like our, our grandparents, which like probably the most they're the like the rich ones in our family. But the most like thankful thing that I'm for is when we went to college or when we graduated high school, they're like your graduation present is we will pay for college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not one person in our family I turned it down. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah. Who the yeah. fuck yeah. would turn that down? You know what? So I'll, I'll handle this one on my own. Well, it is fuck interesting because like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want your bloody money. I don't want your help. That's the thing though. There's levels to it. Like we're poor compared to every comedian I know and compared to everyone outside of comedy. We're quite well off. Wait, wait, every comedian, you know, well, comedians are pretty rich. Rich. Oh, general. you mean, okay. You mean like not what they're, oh, making. in New York, maybe I think usually it's New York comics because they just move here on their parents' dime. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, there's yeah. definitely a, Not a Philly, wide obviously. gap. There are comedians doing it because there's nothing else to do, and then there's yeah. comedians doing it because there's everything else to do. And if nothing, Matt, I mean, this is why I do comedy. Is like I'm like, if fundamentally my earnings will pale in comparison to my inheritance, no matter what I do, why wouldn't I do what I love? Yeah. Well, interestingly, that's sort of the right approach, no matter how much money you have. But people don't understand that. I think that there are people with like obligations. No, like I'm, if you're well educated and you have a sick parent, go be a banker. Do you know what I mean? If you need money for bills that are urgent, I couldn't disagree more. If your parents sick and you have the potential to earn money to save their life, go do what you love. <laughs> Pursue your passion. Uh, origami. Yeah. <laughs> if you've it's, always it's your destiny to be an origami paper, <laughs> to be an origamist, origami. Fuck your sick mommy. Let her go bankrupt. Yep. While you fold. Yep. If folding's your passion. Yeah. If let, you let her fold, fold while you fold. Let her fold. <laughs> fold together. <laughs> fold with your mom. I gotta say, it's it's really interesting because I, I went to uh, business school at Stanford and one of the most impactful classes I heard uh, I, I this I heard this advice from a film director in an entertainment class. He said uh, if you do what you love money will beat its way to your door and I gotta say that is it's one of the dumbest fucking lessons <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, ever so heard stupid. in my yeah. entire life. There are so many people that should not hear that. There's so many comedians where I go 
Don't do what you love. <laughs> well, that's Money's because not going to well, find it. You know what's to interesting? Money's yeah. going to get lost on the walk to your neighborhood. <laughs> well, the people that say that are like, <laughs> obviously, it's just the people that have made it. Yeah. yeah. Do what yeah. you love at the intersection oh. of what you're talented in. Oh, there's a good, there's a good uh, Bo Burnham joke about this where he's like, don't listen to people when they're famous and rich. Cause it's like a lottery winner being like liquidate your assets buy buy powerball tickets. <laughs> yeah. It works yeah. because yeah. it just, it, it's obviously self-selecting yeah. for every one person that's successful who says that there's 10,000 with that took that advice and all became yeah. broke yeah, of Confirmation their bias. Lives by doing it. Yeah. They just don't have bias. a platform with 8 million Instagram followers where they can yes. tell people. <laughs> yes. Hey, it's less yeah. quickly because yeah. they spread it 2000 people at a time when they post on their story. Don't do it. You love yeah. it's a, it's a trap. <laughs> it it's, didn't work out for me. Also, is anyone hiring? It's, but, it's hard to hear the lesson. Don't do what you love from a person with a hole in their head. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because what you said before we cut you off or kind of ignored what you said is a good point. You have to do what you love at the intersection of what you also are capable of doing. Yeah. Most people don't take that advice. Yes. Yeah. It's, it really should be the intersection of your talent and your passion. Yes. Not just your, and, and I would argue you should also build in uh, part of the pie or the puzzle uh, for how much money you can earn doing that. Yeah. There are certain things that you just can't. What were you doing a bit? No, it's just, it's just, this is how everyone thinks about jobs. Anyway, <laughs> It's just how every single person thinks about it. And I also think from that us. there's like, no wisdom in you it. You need it's exactly what you over think your head. Is. You need a roof over your head. So probably like 25% of your yeah. income should go yeah. towards that. I was going to say, don't forget to eat because you'll be hungry. <laughs> eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you're hungry. You're going to eat because you can't do your job well if you're starved. Yes. And exactly. don't, don't eat what you love. Eat at the intersection <laughs> of what, you, what love. you love and you're good at eating. No, and what's good for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yes. Eat salads <laughs> if you like them. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't eat the thing that's one step down on the healthy ladder from salad, yes. if you like eating it. Yeah. Yeah, that's your point. If you only like eating ice cream, maybe don't eat it. You might Unless have to do something you don't like. If you're born poor and you love doing something that you won't make any money doing, you might want to think about uh, doing something that makes you more money that you're less interested in. Dude, you know what's so, been it's so interesting to see is as I've grown up, like a lot of these rich kids that I grew up with were reaching the age where many of them are just going banking it is. No, I don't want to have a job at all. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went to high school upset. with a lot of people who are straight up not doing jobs. So because they have money and they they're like, I'm 30, I have money. This I don't want to. What job. are they doing? This confuses me because I've heard about this. Yeah. And I genuinely don't understand how you structure a day in that way. Is it just around the people you're trying to fuck? I went to, <laughs> I went to high school. Uh, so some, some yes. Yeah. And I also went to high school with one girl who's like fancies herself an artist. She isn't, um, but fancies herself. Like she paints watercolors. Okay. I mean, when I tell you they're bad, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I'm no like wow. eye for art, but I could tell you. So I guess let's just stick to how people have valued it monetar- monetarily. Yeah. And uh, they haven't put it at any monetary value. So that tells me, you know, when you see like I'll a blank canvas away. with a dot on it selling good. for a million bucks yeah. and people are like, is that art? I'm not even taking that perspective. I'm going, when you see a watercolor made by this girl and people value it at zero dollars, I'm assuming its value is zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it also looks ugly. I'm like, that doesn't really look like art and no one wants to buy it. So yeah. <laughs> then it's, it's not kind art. of how valuation works. <laughs> yeah. Then it isn't anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they, so she actually does something. I mean, she spends her days doing something, but she has no income. I know another girl that started a cult. She has no income. That makes more sense. That makes total, that makes way more sense. I mean that, you know, relationships still going. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gone through harder times because she ran her mom's business aground through the cult, through the cult. So a cult doesn't make a lot of money. No, I guess you probably, you're in a position to make money from people in a cult, but ultimately someone's hemorrhaging cash. Yeah. And it was her mom in this case. In this case, it was her mom. Like if you think of like Nexium, then Claire Bronfman, my, my uncle's sister, 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> hemorrhages cash, you know, but like my family's been involved in uh, the Nexium sex cult, but um, not direct. I mean, not my direct family, but my family was directly involved in the Nexium <laughs> sex cult, but not my direct family. Okay. So it's, it's an interesting, um, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what was your role in Nexium? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Keith Ranieri is such a close friend. <laughs> I was a bodyguard. And they, to did Keith. Him, they did him wrong. <laughs> Keith's innocent. Uh, KR did nothing wrong. Uh, uh, fuck, what do they call him? Because I watched the documentary. Vanguard uh, did oh, nothing yeah. wrong. Vanguard, <laughs> did nothing wrong. <laughs> Vanguard is blameless. To still call him Vanguard <laughs> as he's serving uh, like three consecutive life sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Vanguard is innocent. <laughs> and that's why I joined the podcast. <laughs> but I'm, you know what I'm really interested in is how, cause we, I think about this a lot in my life. How did like growing up with that amount of money affect the way you view money now? Well, I have a, I, that's why I say like, I'm, I'm lucky to have a very uncomplicated relationship with it. But I, I know so many people that one way or another have got like my brother was, it was always, money was like a tool of manipulation and he saw it now he's sober. So I think it's, he doesn't see it this way anymore, but he always saw it as like as heroin or, or, or <laughs> Oxycontin or heroin, really any or opiate opiates that could be ingested. <laughs> ultimately he saw it that way. But when he was younger, Morphine he, he thought it, he thought like my parents used, like held it over him in order to get what they wanted with him. And that was his view on it. So he saw it as this like tool of manipulation. Oh, I never even thought about it, which is the ultimate spoiled entitled thing, which is to not even be aware of. So I was so spoiled that it came full circle and was good for me. Well, but we, but, <laughs> no, no, no. But weirdly, um, don't do jokes on this podcast, but, but <laughs> no, but weirdly, um, you have like a, a quite adult view. I'm wondering because what you're saying is you never considered money really at all. When I did you really start about go, it? When did you start having thoughts about it? Was when you started comedy and you started meeting people that like legitimately had no money? When when you say thoughts about it, what do you mean? Because you're saying the way I thought about it was I didn't, and now you 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 are very open and honest about it. Oh, so when did that shift of it too? Because you didn't, because you couldn't be open and honest about something you didn't know really existed yeah. or con you considered at all. I think I went through a process of like feeling guilt about it, which is kind of what I referenced with the conversation with the college in college, in college. That makes yeah, sense. Cause you start to see people that yes. don't have it and people yes. that have complicated relationships. Whereas your high school, I'm sure it was all people who came right, from that right, similar right. background pretty much. And if they didn't, they were in such the minority that like it was not a mainstream conversation. Like yes. it was assumed you that you had money. Okay. And even if you didn't, you did by being around yeah. everyone who did. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I like, do. There was yeah. always a house to go to or a place right. to eat yeah. or someone that was going to pay for yeah. something nice. So like, yeah. there was this like halo effect of everybody just had so much money that like money was not a question. It was never complicated. And we also didn't earn it ourselves. So we all had like allowances. Yeah. So it was not thought of as a big deal. Yeah. You had that shift around college. You started meeting. Well, people. you start meeting people that do really have to work to be there. Like yeah. they, they have to have college jobs or, or like one of my best friends in college was paying is still paying off student loans. And that was just a dynamic. So you start to meet yeah. people that way and then they meet you and they know, and you go, okay, we both are a little shocked that this exists. <laughs> you know? Um, so I started feeling a little, I mean, guilty. Yeah. They're just like guilty. And I also never, I really, until comedy, I really, 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 and I didn't like beat myself up over this, but I really felt like I had never achieved anything myself because I got into a really good college through connections. I mean, my cousins had a building there and my backup school, I had a building at Wesleyan. <laughs> uh, go check out the Zelnick pavilion. It's a, it's a nice, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful pavilion. Um, so I knew like, uh, like when I, when I went to high school, I knew that, you know, I wasn't stupid, but like I got like a minuses and B pluses. Like I got like totally fine middle of the road grades. Right. And then I went to an elite college where that wouldn't have been, you can't just get in. And so I felt like kind of guilty about that because I knew I got in through connections. And then during college, I was like, okay, I'm going to work harder. So I had like a really good GPA in college just to prove really? I guess, that I wasn't. Yeah. I had, With an English major, right? 
no and econ. We we can bleep English it, and econ. Yeah, you're allowed okay. to say my, my GPA. <laughs> yeah, I had like we'll a I had a three eight GPA. Jesus Christ, <laughs> we can't put that in. The <laughs> That's, That's as bad as the sister stuff. <laughs> Jesus man. Um, so I had like a good GPA and I I worked hard, but I still felt like I've never really achieved anything. But you worked hard because you felt you hadn't achieved anything. I started to just feel guilty about it. I was like, what what the what's the point? I started to have an existential like, what's the point of life if everything there's no obstacles yeah. for me at all and then it became like an existential point of like should i look for a struggle just because i haven't had one and you know and like i had my family shit everyone has their shit but like i didn't i just never saw it that way i always saw myself as someone that never had a bad day and the only thing i'd ever achieved was i had achieved kind of like I had skied semi-professionally for two years in high school and I had done all that myself and that felt really fulfilling and good. Yeah. Like I had gone out and I had, I had worked on a craft and I had then promoted it and then I had, had I had achieved like commercial. This was in college or was it? Before? This was in high school. Okay. I had like, my goal was always to get this like big sponsorship from a ski company yeah. called Solomon. And I like skied and worked on skiing and got better at skiing. Put and videos like online. And put videos online. Why and those did you stop? Views. Um, I just lost the passion for it. And gotcha. also I, it was clear that I just wasn't going to be able to operate at the level I needed to like from an athletic standpoint. I just, I didn't have the athleticism and I didn't really? have the work ethic. Oh, it was a combination. And, and also my fear started kicking in cause I was doing extreme skiing. And uh, so it was like, bigger, okay. bigger it's legitimately areas. dangerous. Yeah. And I just yeah. started to get, as I got older, I yeah. started to get more scared of what was required. And the sport was progressing very quickly because it was kind of like a new sport. Oh, So people were getting like the, the next class below my class was like, was like, they had black better. people in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, still no. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's extreme skiing. Wait till yeah. that happens. Obviously not. <laughs> Wait till that happens. Then yeah. the sport will really progress. But, uh, no, no, no black people, but just really good whites. <laughs> Top tier whites started entering the sport, and that's the progression of every sport. You get, <laughs> really you get bad whites, mediocre you get whites. Jewish. My class was mediocre whites. Then we had good whites, and then soon there will be blacks, bad blacks. And then eventually you get good blacks. Uh, good blacks is also uh, a way to refer to a ski run. But um, Ooh, yeah, like a black guy yeah, working, working quickly here. But no, no, I, I but that was the only thing I had known that felt personally fulfilling because like college, like I remember I went into uh, uh, like my meeting with my college advisor and my advisor said like, based on his grades, here are the colleges, right? Yeah. And then my dad went, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? In yeah, the meeting. Awesome. Cause he had, he, had he laughed in the meeting at yep, the guy laughed, wow. laughed him out of the room. Cause <laughs> this is, this is what the guy said. The guy said, cause my dad also like being my dad, he's like, yeah, my son's, better than you just on account of being my son yeah, and he's yeah, gonna yeah. have a good life and yeah. that's just that like we were raised with which that by kind the way entitlement that's totally true for the guidance counselor <laughs> that you were seeing but the guidance counselor interestingly had a weird dynamic this is like a weird backstory that we don't need to include but the guidance counselor was successful and became a guidance counselor <laughs> uh the guidance counselor had a girl a daughter in my grade oh. so he would he was a total conflict of interest he had gone to princeton his daughter went to princeton and he like w was kind of trying to like push out all the rich kids so that from he could, princeton like, <laughs> just so he could <laughs> make oh, his wow. daughter but, but the guidance counselor That's started funny. the meeting and he was like like, listen, looking at Lucas's grades and everything he's done, which is nothing, uh, he should probably go to like, um, well, weren't you a semi-professional skier when you're applying? Like you had, I was, something to that, put on. that was a thing, you know, and I had done community service, which every rich kid in New York did, Oh, but that was, that was kind of it. Okay. And you know, I had like a, yeah. And, and this, this was also, I would say it was before the days of, um, like virtue signaling through trauma. Yeah. Like slightly before those days. Cause otherwise I think I would have written like a really compelling essay about like my sister having special needs yeah. or something. But I remember writing, I wrote about skiing, which okay. is like yeah, in this day and age, yeah. in this climate, you would never throw out that literally <laughs> light it on fire. Yeah. I wrote about in the deliberation room. skiing. I, I, I wrote the dumbest college essay of all time and you guys cannot top it. Okay. I wrote, I'm not even kidding. They said, tell us about a time you learned a skill. And I wrote an essay about three pages on taking cold showers. That's actually kind of, kind of interesting. Freezing cold it showers. It is kind of interesting, but what was your angle? 
there really wasn't one. I was just, it started difficult. And then once you do it every day, it's easy. It's easier. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's pretty bad. You get used to it. It, No, you, you have to read it. It was, I think I'm ascribing too much thought to to it in my head, but that's kind of interesting. (laughs) I mean, I will say as a former college, it's different than what you'll read because it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even that it's bad, but that is, it was bad. I'll tell you this. I read, I've read thousands of essays and you never, not read. one talked about taking culture. <laughs> so yeah. it is unique. In that it sense. was unique. I, yeah. I tutored college admissions essays. Once I got out of college as a way to make money when I was working at a production company. And, uh, I, <laughs> I started seeing the trauma stuff, but yeah. the funny thing is cause I was tutoring for an elite New York tutoring company. Mm-hmm. So the only people I was tutoring were rich white kids. And I remember seeing this. What's the, what is the book? Is it beloved by Toni Morrison that deals heavily in like black theme? There's a Toni Morrison novel that deals heavily in slavery in particular. Beloved. Is yeah. it beloved? Yes. Okay. So this kid had written, there were two subsequent essay questions. It was, uh, what's your favorite thing to do? And what's your favorite book you've read in okay. this application? Oh God. Favorite thing to do yeah. sailing. <laughs> favorite book you've read <laughs> beloved by Tony Morrison <laughs> oh, they oh. were right next to each other and I swear to God and this kid was not smart I mean these kids you know there's smart Jews and dumb Jews and both are rich in New York but th- yeah. this was a dumb Jew and um, and then there's no one else <laughs> there's rich Jews smart and dumb in, on the Upper East Side and this kid had written like sailing, like when the winds at your sail, like it feels mm-hmm. so good. Like it's the, and, and then he was like, slavery is so bad. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, listen, talk about slavery or talk about sailing. Don't, don't do talk both. about the two of them next <laughs> to each other. I, it's a bad look. I also did something similar, like a little bit of consulting after, after doing admissions. Yeah. Um, Cause you have like that lens. And there was this kid who went to this like really fancy LA private school and just came from all the money in the world. And he wrote about like how, meaningful community services to him. (laughs) And we, no, we had a conversation and he was clearly like, so like, should I lean heavier into that? And I'm like, you clearly don't care about this at all. You should probably talk about something. Something that doesn't seem like a big, just empty veneer on top of just a hole of money. And it just meant so much to me to make a big difference. And then you go like forward and it's like his dad owns. Okay. I think they're not paying uh, financial aid when they come here. When I had applied to college, this was before the age of using all these trauma related things in order to like peddle a sad story in order to impress people. So I had written about skiing and it was the only thing I'd ever done that I had found fulfilling. And it was also the only thing I'd ever done where no one knew I was talking to people in ski towns. No one cared that I was a New Yorker. If anything, like it it was a bad thing Mm -hmm. that I was a New Yorker that I had come from money. And I mean, obviously it's, it's kind of very similar to stand up in that. Like I knew how to ski because I was rich. Obviously I had like gotten lessons, but once I knew everyone who's skis is pretty rich, right? Um, Are there poor skiers? Well, ski ski towns. I mean, people aren't really rich so much. They live there full time. I mean, they live, they're really nice. Some people are rich in ski towns, but like it's not necessary. I'll put it this way. There are public schools in ski towns where skiing is subsidized for for poor, poorer whites. It's not a poor thing, but it's not, you know, it's not like the world of New York. Those kids ski for fun 10 days a year and then they go to the beach and then they go to safari in Africa. Yeah. If you're like a skier skier, it's just not competing in skiing is not always associated with as much money. Gotcha. But yes, there are, I mean, it's still a rich thing generally. Um, so then I got to Williams and I was like, uh, I just felt like I had never done anything and I started to feel guilty about money, but also I just started to feel like life was going to be meaningless because I started looking at jobs and the conversation about jobs was, first of all, I was like, I think I, w- I was like, I don't want to do what everyone's doing. And everyone was doing consulting or banking. I was yeah. like, that sounds soul sucking yeah. and terrible. And I was like, I was like, my dad had always instilled in me very heavily, like do something you're passionate about. So I was like, I'm, I know I'm not passionate about that. So that was out. And then I started looking at entertainment cause I like, you know, being funny and was mattered, mattered to me and like consuming content mattered to me and I couldn't really think of anything else. So I started to lean towards entertainment. And as I op- opened that discussion, the discussion was just, who are my dad's friends? Right. So my dad's friend was the CEO of HBO. I got an internship at HBO. And oh, cool. My dad's friend was the CEO of SNL's production company. So I got a job there. Cool. And then my dad's friend was the chief uh, financial officer of Viacom. So I got a job there. Cool. And then you chose the one route in 
entertainment that it doesn't help to have connections. Well, yeah. So I got all these like business entered. My dad didn't know creative people in entertainment because he was a business guy. Mm-hmm. And also the creatives do not respect the business people yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. So I had gotten through nepotism, just like all this series of jobs, series and, like, of business jobs in entertainment, business not, jobs. Yeah. And by the way, everyone at these companies knew that I had gotten these jobs through nepotism because yeah. when the important people walked in the room, they'd be like, how's dad? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, he's good. He's good. <laughs> so like it was never really a secret, but also especially at the smaller companies, like where I was near the creatives, like yeah. when I worked at SNL's production company, they hated you. Detested. Yeah, yeah. Even though they were also nepotism babies just from the creative <laughs> side. <laughs> they, they hated me because I was close to what they were. They were uh, also rich uh, kids. I was like, I'm, I, you're that, all the same. That's yeah. what pissed me off because yeah. I was like, you're just trendier rich than I am. I'm business rich. You're creative rich, but you're rich and I'm rich. Like yeah. we're the same, but they hated me because we're the same. Yeah. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. They saw themselves in you. Yeah. You and reminded them of, of the fact that they didn't deserve the position. They yeah, probably. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't deserve it, but, like, like, but he deserved it less than we did. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think exactly. Yeah. I think that's what they thought. Yeah. Probably. Although arguably not arguably you for sure deserve the business position more than they deserved a creative position. <laughs> well, no one deserves a creative position. No, no one knows anything unless you're a creator. No one knows anything. You're just going. Yeah. Like you're putting yeah. your finger in the air and going, I think I have a thought on this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, did you create it? Then fuck off. Yeah. You don't know. But, um, mm. so I, when I was there at those companies, I was like, I don't want to do this. Cause this is just, first of all, I didn't earn any of this myself and it, it's just a track. You just do what's asked of you for long enough. And then if you're not a pain in the ass to work with and you, you just know rise. how to say yeah. yes, you yeah. just rise. Yeah. But I was like, I had, I was looking at the people in the top positions. I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to be like the CEO cause they do whatever they want. But I was like, he's 55 and I'm, right, right. I'm 22. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's like a lot of years that I just have to stick around before maybe I get this job or maybe I end up like number five and number five's life isn't good. Yeah. yeah. Number four's life is better than number five and three is better than four, but it's really life is only good in business. If you're like one, two, three. Yeah. And to get you know? to that, you have to go through all the other rungs. Anyway. You have to go through all the other rungs. And then at a certain point, you legitimately have to be good at it. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's a combination of that and like political matters, which is like, you have to be in the right place at the right time and you can't piss off the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't even know who the wrong people are because you piss someone off because you think they're going to get fired. And then all of a sudden they don't get fired and they get elevated. And now you get fired. Yeah. So like I looked at that happening at the top, like random power struggles. Like I looked at a guy who got promoted two times and there was a merger with CBS and he got fired. Wow. And so I was like, this seems, yeah. why would I bet on this yeah. for 30 yeah. years only to then, you know, some people, some of these people, like if you're highly paid and you get canned at 45 in mm-hmm. the business world, it's pretty hard to get another gig. Cause you, you really? command a ton of money and you don't add that much value uh, at that point. And they usually have people who've been rising the ranks forever. So it's like right, it, right. It's, look, so a couple of people stuck around forever and got fucked. So I was like this, I was like, I was like, ultimately everything's crazy risky. Why wouldn't I just do a thing that I yeah. <laughs> wanted to do? Yeah. And then it, I, I like recalled that I was really passionate about skiing and I had built that myself and I remembered what that felt like. And I was like, I might be able to do that with comedy with stand up. Yeah. I was like, I have to figure out whether I'm good at it, but I was like, I know how to work craft because I'd gotten yeah, good, at, good skiing. at skiing. Right. And I was like, I know what that takes. I know. And I know that it's a fulfilling process. You have to like study and it's mm-hmm. a technique and you, yeah. you have to, it's painful at first, but you have to like figure out how to do it. And then it becomes like fulfilling. And I was like, I also know how to promote myself and I know I can be good at that part of it. So I was like, I think these things could work if I'm as funny as I think I am. And I wasn't, but I was funny enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's sort of like a lot of, a lot of standups are uh, former athletes because they understand that side for that reason. Yeah. Because if you're just someone who's been like bookish and or like a, some kind of like drug user or someone who just wasn't ever devoted in that way to anything. Yeah. Like you were like a B B minus student and you weren't an athlete. You didn't really like go out for drama or anything. There's no way you could ever do it because you just wouldn't understand what it should take. Yeah. And we know going in as athletes, not that we were at that level at all, but you know, we were both good athletes, you better than me. And, but we both understood that like, it just takes a lot of hard work to get better yeah. at something. And that's the only way to get better. And it actually, suffer and work hard. but also it actually pays off. Like yes. I saw yeah. that in the course yeah. of high school, like 
freshman year, I was shitty. Sophomore year, I was pretty shitty. And then I started getting so much better so yeah, quickly right. because I'd been working the whole time and I was like, what the fuck's happening? And yeah. then it started to happen. And, and that's very similar to stand up. It's like yes. delayed gratification. Yes. And you know that you know how good that feels when it starts to when it starts you know to that work. There is a good feeling there at the end of the road. You just yeah. know that it's going to take a fucking while, which if you didn't know that you would never, ever keep doing no. it. Why would you keep doing it? Well, even you could you could like intellectually comprehend it, but if you couldn't associate like the physical yeah. feeling of reward with it, it would be, yeah, you couldn't. Well, that's yeah. like, there are those people that like love baseball, but they don't understand, understand the point you made earlier about the intersection of what you're good at and what you're interested <laughs> yeah. in. And they just, they just work their ass off and they just stay so, so shitty. Yeah, it just doesn't work too. at all. Like, yes. That's really the, the message I think we want to give true. people. That is a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is sometimes work doesn't pay off. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the catch 22 is stand up because at least baseball, it's like binary, you yeah. know, it's like figure out Stats. if you're talentless. Yeah. But the thing that makes people talentless in stand up, generally speaking, in my opinion, is a lack of self-awareness, yes. yeah. which oh, is exactly sure. the quality they need to possess <laughs> yeah. in order to know <laughs> that you're talentless. But it's a catch 22 because if you possess that quality, you wouldn't be talentless. Yeah. But you can't, you don't have that ability and you don't have yeah. that introspective ability and thus you're talentless, but you can't. The only, yeah, the There's only quality you need in order to realize you're bad and quit is the one quality out of, out of your grasp. Yes. Well, that's what we talked about. The people that quit are never the worst. No, no. Sometimes they, they the never people that are. quit are actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. They just good realize they're not. They should quit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they realize either they're good and they just can't find success, which happens all the time yeah. in stand up. We know so many examples of that. Yep. Or they're just not quite good enough. Yeah. To ever be really good. But they're good enough and to know that they're not quite yeah. good enough. Yeah. 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 But interestingly, I actually haven't found that there is like just this weird tenacity that is what makes you like what what gives you success that's fully unrelated to being good or even being self aware. It's just a, a an ability to understand an aspect of like promotion marketing as well as like uh, m like a way to manipulate an audience like yeah. we know the LA guy who put out a crazy <laughs> promo video. We don't have to say his name. Don't, don't <laughs> but we know that now. guy like he has yeah, yeah. it in spades. Yeah, he understands how to like cultivate this. What is it like? Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> that's, that that's like a funny way to describe, describe him. Yeah, je, je sais. <laughs> je sais. <laughs> I understand. But you what know what I mean? Yes. He even on stage is just playing a character. Yeah. That's not a person up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a character that people in the audience can place and he understands that and he yeah. understands how to promote that character. Yeah. And that's why he is successful. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people uh, they're actually funny. We know like, yeah. you know, they're actually good, but they don't understand that part of it. Yeah. And also part of it is like when you are good, there's, there's room for nuance that, uh, promotion and marketing will destroy. Yes. So you can't like the best comics of all time. They just don't have there. They have too much subtlety to yeah. be summed up in like a five, or like 20 second Instagram promotional yes. video. Yeah. Yo, what's up guys? <laughs> Thank you for being there for me. Like no, none of no great comic yeah. has ever done anything <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah. It's all these guys who have this other quality. Yeah. Which is the promotion. Of it. Yeah. But that's the only one you need for success. Interestingly. Yeah. You don't even have to be good at all. Thanks for having yeah. me. We appreciate it. Of course. Um, thank you for being wealthy. Yeah. Thanks for uh, letting me talk about it. I love to share. <laughs> Feel free to, you know, like spread the love, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't, but, um, but thank you. Well, we don't blame you. Um, <laughs> come back next week for a session. Yeah. Uh, Jamie and I have to run right now. We need to go pick up microphones. Yeah. So unfortunately uh, we yeah. do, but we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, until next session until next time. Thanks guys.